Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 43 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me on this lovely Wednesday at the end of April is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham Movie a Day and host of the Lambcast. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Hey, Rob. Nice to talk to you. And, of course, to all of the fans of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, minute by minute. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. Hopefully, hopefully they'll, they'll all want to buy uh, some, some very exotic earrings that, that, that we'll talk about during the course of today. So if you're a good enough salesman, you can sell anything. I'm not as good a salesman as, as Dell, that's for sure. <laughs> minute 43 begins with Dell saying 60 minutes and ends with Neil hanging up the phone. So yesterday's minute ended with the, the two of them getting to the St. Louis bus station. And we see Dell starting to sell some of his earrings. He continues well, calling them earrings anyway. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're really shower rings, but yeah, that's true. So he, he started yesterday, he ended yesterday's minute by saying, do you ever watch 60 Minutes? And then he actually is able to start selling what he is trying to sell people. At this point, you get a montage of Dell selling to different groups of people. You know, he's holding up the shower curtain rings and mentions to one of them, this is Czechoslovakia and Ivory. And that's it. It's $5. Great. This is your Walter Cronkite moon ring. Thank you. They're filled with helium, so they're very light. Thank you. This is an autographed Daryl Strawberry earring. All right. And each time we see that the, the different people that, that he's selling them to, you get to see uh, these women that are just forking over cash to him. You know, they, they all look pretty funny putting those earrings on because <laughs> they're shower curtain rings. But still works. And then he goes, these are very special earrings, by the way. These were originally handcrafted for the Grand Wizard of China back in the 4th century. Now, these, of course, aren't the originals, but they're replicas. Very good replicas, too. They're selling for $5 a pair, two for $7. So this whole montage is great. I mean, it really shows us, again, who Dell is. You know, he's he's a lovable guy, and he's really good at his job. He's able to sell anything. I mean, come on. He takes shower curtain rings and passes them off as earrings <laughs> and, and it works he's able to do that now some of the things that he mentioned were were pretty interesting so first of all you know we, we mentioned yesterday we touched upon it that you know we we're talking about diane sawyer with 60 minutes so 60 minutes do, do you know when when they when 60 minutes debuted richard i think it was 1968 wow richard that's great very good yeah you're correct been on a long time Right. It was created by Don Hewitt and Bill Leonard in 1968, and it was it stood apart from other news programs at the time because it had a unique style of reporter-centered investigation, which wasn't done up until then. In 2002, it was ranked as the number six, the number six on TV Guide's list of the 50 greatest TV shows of all time. In 2013, it was ranked number 24 on TV Guide's list of the 60 best series of all times. And apparently the New York Times called it one of the most esteemed news magazines on American television. So they, they had this unique setup. They're very much known for the fact that they have this stopwatch that is clicking along 
throughout the course of the show. You have it at the beginning where you see it on the zero mark, and then through various intervals throughout the show, you see it at the 15-minute mark and the 30-minute mark and the 60-minute mark and things like that. Right. The, the show began in 1972. It was it aired every Sunday from six to seven Eastern time. But because of a lot of NFL games on Sundays, it was always it was pushed off during the, the football season. So they actually changed it and they shifted it to starting at seven o'clock. And if there was a game, then they automatically said that it would start at 7.30, okay? It actually copied a format that was in a, originally used by a Canadian program known as W5, which uh, premiered two years earlier. But it actually was able to pioneer many of the most Im important investigative journalism procedures and techniques, which they used for, you know, re-editing interviews, hidden cameras, and and gotcha journalism, where they would visit different people's homes or offices uh, as they're investigating them and stuff like that. Obviously, since then, so many shows have 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 copied this this format all around the globe. Then he mentions Czechoslovakia and Ivory. I, I looked that up, and I, I couldn't find that there really is anything known as Czechoslovakia and Ivory. No. <laughs> he, he was just saying it. And apparently it worked. What can I tell you? And then he mentions Walter Cronkite. Okay, so I, I know you know who Walter Cronkite is, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> so Walter, Walter Cronkite, Cronkite was the most trusted man in America. That is correct. For for 19 years. <laughs> so Cronkite was born in 1916. He passed away in 2009. He was the anchorman of the CBS Evening News for 19 years, from 1962 to 1981. And as you mentioned, he was the most trusted man in America because they, they had an opinion poll that that's what, that's what the results that they came from that. He was a reporter from the 1930s all the way through the 80s, and he reported on World War II, on the Nuremberg trials, on the combat in Vietnam, on uh, Watergate, the Iran hostage crisis, the assassinations of uh, JFK, Martin Luther King, when Lenin was 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 murdered, also, and he was actually also a fan of the U.S. space program, and he did exclusive and extensive coverage of uh, Merc the Mercury project, of the moon landings, and even the space shuttle. I, I still remember that in, I believe it was in the 1990s, after he had already retired, on CNN they they had someone who was doing all the space related stuff. And I'm, I think it was when John Glenn went back up on the space shuttle in the 90s, where this other reporter was supposed to to, to do all of the, the reporting. And this reporter uh, was killed in a car crash, and they, they brought Cronkite in to replace him, to, to be there for, you know, to because to, he has so much knowledge already about NASA and the space program and stuff like that. So in 1962, he succeeded... Douglas Edwards as the anchorman of the CBS nightly feature newscast, which they renamed Walter Cronkite with the News. And eventually in 1963, they changed it to the CBS Evening News. And the show started off as a 15-minute news report. And then it quickly expanded to 30 minutes, and it, which made Cronkite the first American uh, anchor or the first anchor of an American network who had a half hour news program up until then there, there weren't any half hour news programs and he became an icon in television news 
through through all of his work. In 1980, he announced that he was going to retire uh, because they had CBS had a policy of of mandatory retirement at age 65, which a lot of people were not happy about at the time that he was being forced out. And he was uh, known as a father figure or an uncle figure to everyone in the audience would refer to him as a comfortable old shoe. <laughs> you know, something that, that, that you wanted to be around, something that, that you felt comfortable in. And he retired on March 6, 1981, and was replaced by Dan Rather. Adele also mentions helium. You know, that the, the these particular earrings or, you know, shower rings <laughs> are made of helium. So I, I, I'm not going to go into the whole scientific aspects of helium because I can read stuff off, but I wouldn't understand it. So it doesn't really make a difference. It is a chemical element and the symbol is HE and the atomic number is two. That's pretty much as scientific as I'm going to get. <laughs> I, what I wanted to talk about is the different uses for it. I mean, most of us, when you think of helium, what's the first thing you think of, Richard? Oh, balloons, of course. Balloons, exactly. That's the thing that everyone thinks of is balloons. But it was used for, for rocket fuel and it was used for different airships and balloons. You know, not, not just regular balloons that you get when it's your birthday, but, you know, hot air balloons. And it was used for Zeppelins. And it is also, I found it very interesting that it's used as a breathing gas for, you know, people that are diving. Because when you mix helium together with a few other things, it says trimix, heliox, and hella air. It, it reduces the effects of narcosis when you reach uh, very large, very uh, deep deaths, depths, while you're, not deaths, <laughs> hopefully not deaths. <laughs> hopefully deep, not, no. Yeah, deep depths of of that. So that that's pretty much all I know about helium. Not much else. <laughs> then the next thing they mention is Daryl Strawberry. So what what do you, what do you I know you're I know you're you know you're, you're from the West Coast. Yeah. You know, so well, you probably don't know that much about him, but what what do you know about <laughs> Daryl Strawberry? <laughs> My memory of Strawberry was that he was a terrific baseball player who had big drug problems and uh was one of the celebrities that uh you know got caught and you know suffered but came back from it and then uh i couldn't tell you you know i i think he's passed hasn't he no no he's still alive he was born oh, in 1962 okay good yeah he was born in 1962 he's still alive he is a former baseball player he played for 17 seasons in the major leagues he was at the beginning one of the most feared sluggers in the sport until he had a drug problem and that caused a lot, a lot of other problems in his career, during his career, he was on the New York Mets when they won the World Series, and he was on the Yankees for three of their World Series championships in 96, 98, and 99. But he was also suspended three times by Major League Baseball for substance abuse. And he was voted to the All-Star Game eight straight times between 1984 and 1991. He is one of only five Major League Baseball players to hit two pinch hit grand slams in the same season. He is only one of three players in, in history, along with Ricky Lede and Jose Viscaino, to have played on all four of the former and current New York-based MLB teams, the Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, and Giants. So you might have known him from the Dodgers, you know, when... Yeah, no, I think he, he was... 
like I said, I don't think he was with the Dodgers more than a couple of seasons. Right. Um, yeah, he but was, he did. He did play. And I, I didn't follow baseball very closely in those days. I followed it when I was a kid, and I, you know, stopped following it. Uh, so I mean, but I knew he's a famous athlete. So you heard about him, and of course, all of the troubles made it easy yeah. to hear about him as well. And yeah. uh, his notoriety and fame would be one of those selling points. You know, oh yeah, uh, Daryl Strawberry signature earring. By the way. Where's the signature on that earring? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wondering the same thing. And again, this is 1987. So he had just won the World Series the year before with the Mets. That was the time that he was very famous. You know, right. when it, he was mostly famous in, in, you know, 84, 85, 86, 87. You know, the very beginning of his career before he started having all the substance abuse issues. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, at this point, then he mentions the Grand Wizard of China. What do you know about that? You know, I I tried to look up the Grand Wizard of China, and uh, all I kept getting were references to the Klan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have the Klan in China, but the, the no. truth is, the truth is that it is not real. It's completely made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, see, that's, that's one of the problems with made up things in, in movies like this is that when you when you do a search on the internet for them, what do you find? References to planes, trains, and automobiles. That's all I find. <laughs> yeah. So that's makes things much it. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, there is no Grand Wizard of China. So at this point, then we see Neil sitting on a bench, and he it looks like he's trying to fix his hat or something like that. And you see the dilapidated area around him. You know, you, you see all these like newspapers strewn on the floor, and you know, you you see the the way people look around him. I mean, he's he's not in high society anymore. <laughs> but what I loved is you see in the background, you see two. Uh, large video games. You see arcade game style. Uh, Galaga you know, was one of them, wasn't it? That's right. You see Galaga and Centipede. So I, I, I found that interesting. Those, those, you know, that, that I, I wouldn't think that that's what you would find in a bus station, but I guess I, and, and you have like this woman who's playing on it that looks like she's, she's doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, they, they were popular, you know? Yeah. That's true. She has she has like a guitar next to her. She has like a guitar leaning on the on the Galaga and she's playing Galaga. So what can I tell you? <laughs> but then if you look at the luggage around Neil, it's pretty funny because that's not his luggage. Because you have a brown suitcase and a black sports bag, which is not what they have. <laughs> so I don't I don't know whose luggage that is. You know, these days if you if, if you wouldn't you know, people would get too scared if you see luggage just lying around with nobody around them. You know, back in 1987, it wasn't as much of an issue. Different times, different times. Completely, completely. (laughs) And so then uh, Neil stands up and he, he, he puts it, he like folds his jacket up and puts it on the seat, which you'd think he would be pretty scared to do that because you don't know what is crawling on those seats. Again, they don't, they don't look very, very sanitary. Let's put it that way. I think that's why he put the jacket on the seat. Because so then he, he puts his hat. On. No, then he puts his hat on on the on the seat on on the jacket, right? And then he moves towards the the payphones, and then you see him like pick up the receiver with two fingers. It's very funny, you know, like 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 he doesn't know what type of diseases he's going to get by actually touching this phone. <laughs> Did you? You know, I know you've seen thousands of movies. Do you remember the movie Tattoo with Bruce Dern? 
I've never seen that movie actually. All right. One of the jobs he has, he's, you know, the job's got nothing to do with the story, but he does, he sanitizes public phones. That makes sense. And so, so when I see uh, the shot of Steve Martin, you know, kind of holding up the phone with his handkerchief and, you know, pinching it, trying to keep it away from him, I, I always think of, you know, somebody's got to go around and clean those phones up so that they aren't disgusting for everybody to use. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Because uh, it does look pretty disgusting. You'd think that he would try and find something to, to, you know, maybe a tissue or even just use his jacket to hold on to it. You know, you'd think that he would he would have thought a little head to, to have something to cover his hand. You know, I, obviously this is pre-COVID world, so people well, don't But, you know, know, he left his gloves in the uh, office. Yes, that's true. Gloves he doesn't, doesn't have. <laughs> but because that was an he, earlier minute. Because he doesn't need them. You know, he's That's he's going to get in the get in the cab and get on the plane and, you know, be home in Chicago just in, in just a few short hours. You know, and, and here wow. we are. Almost 20, we're, it's almost 24 hours after that. And we're we're still moving along. <laughs> and he has this like Steve Martin is a great actor because he has this like disgusted look on his face <laughs> as he's as he's picking up the the, you know, the, the receiver with his hands like that. And then we see that he begins to dial and he uses his knuckles to dial. So, like, what's the difference between your knuckle and 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 your, you know, and and your finger itself when you're going to be the dialing? Tip of your finger? Well, I don't, I don't know. No, you, from Rob, from but... from cooties. You know, that's what I'm talking about. He's worried about yeah, getting cooties here. I was going to say, in the COVID era, there were plenty of times when you didn't want to touch something with the point of your finger, and I found myself doing the exact same kind of thing punching buttons uh, like on the elevator you do that with your elbows we do that with our elbows <laughs> there you go well that w- that would probably work better but you know not, not on a payphone because you're, you're less likely to rub your eyes or your face with your knuckle and more likely to do it with the tip of your finger That's i know true. you're scratching your okay. face with the you are, finger you... and the fingernail you're not really rubbing your face with the knuckle on your face that's true that's very true. All right, you got me on that. And and this is something that we're all still dealing with these days. So you're right, <laughs> or not as much. I think people are less strict at this point, I guess. You know, with with those type of things, because because we all know th- that we know nothing. <laughs> Before everyone thought they knew, but now everyone knows the truth that nobody knows nothing about what's going on, and what what's going to cause problems and what's not. And then he holds the phone like a very clear distance away from his face as he's trying to to make this call. And then the the shot changes, and we see a whole group of kids singing in a uh, Thanksgiving pageant at school. You know, remember, reminding everyone this is Wednesday, so we're we're talking about November twenty fifth. It's the day before Thanksgiving, so the kids are still in school. Because when I was watching it, I said to myself, "Wait a second, Thanksgiving there is no school, but it's the day before, so we're still we're 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 still a day ahead of Thanksgiving itself." Rob, how long has it been since you lived in the U.S.? Since I lived in the U.S. full time, it's been 20. No, it's been 30 years, almost 30 years. Because, you know, when I was a kid and you can see it in the movie, Thanksgiving was the holiday. Usually you got Friday off also. Yeah. But you still went to school Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. That's correct. In the U.S. nowadays, there are lots of school districts where they take the whole week off because they don't want you to get stranded in, 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 uh, Wichita. <laughs> that's probably it. You know, they don't want you to get stuck in, uh, Wichita. Jefferson city. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That I didn't know. 
you so you, you you have taught me something you know something new yes as a as a kid i remember you know in the 80s and, and early 90s that thanksgiving vacation was from thursday till monday but apparently wow okay that's yeah they i guess i guess they realized that the kids don't need to be in school as much i think the teachers worked it out that's what they that was going on <laughs> that's probably true that's probably true so we we get to see all these kids singing in the this this pageant and they actually sing some very interesting lyrics we get to hear them say spring over the ground like a hunting hound for this is thanksgiving day which got me thinking two days ago we were talking about that there was a song that they were singing on the bus and i think it was the same song because it said on thanksgiving day that was that was what i heard at the end of that minute and i wasn't able to figure out what song it was but here when i had the full verse I was actually able to do a little bit of research and find out what it is. And I did find the song. Now, this song has 12 stanzas. There's no way I'm going to, to go along and, and say all the stanzas. Of Thank it. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to do it either. So the stanza that they're referring to here, it's it's actually a song called uh, Going to uh, Grandma's House or something like that. And the... Is this the, Over the Hills and Through the Woods? Yes, it is. There you go. So this stanza that, that the, the kids, kids are singing is over the river and through the wood, trot fast my dapper gray, spring over the ground like a hunting hound for tis Thanksgiving day. So yeah, this is over the rivers and through the woods. I didn't know that that was a Thanksgiving song. I, I, I actually probably, besides this movie, hearing the, those lines, I probably never even heard of it. And I'm, you knew the name of the song, so I guess that means you're familiar with the song. Over the hills and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. And that's as much as I know. <laughs> the horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through the white and drifted snow. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you've got all the lyrics there. <laughs> and actually, it's going to grandfather's house. It's not even grandmother's house. That's interesting. Yeah, but we're not going to go into that. that. That's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> and... So then we, we hear Neil, he's still standing by the phone. We hear the, the phone ringing and ringing and ringing. You know, you'd think that they would have had some sort of answering machine. Even in the 80s, there were answering machines. Obviously, they're not home. The whole family is at this pageant, you know, watching Neil's daughter, Marty, sing over to Grandma's house. So he has this look of disappointment on his face. I guess he didn't look at his watch and remember that his daughter has a pageant at this particular hour. And it, it actually makes it seem as if, you know, he's just not home very much. You know, it's something that they really don't get into that much in this movie about, you know, whether this is, whether he's constantly traveling or this is a special trip that he needed to make. There, there are different parts that allude to different aspects of it, you know, that, that maybe this is something that, that happens often, but then there are other parts in, in, in the script that make it sound as if this is a special trip that he's usually not away. So I don't know. What, what yeah, do you think well, about I think that? They're hinting at it quite a bit that he is spending a lot of time at work and uh, not exactly neglecting his family, but missing out on some of those things. And it's causing him to, and at the holidays like this, of course, that's what people think about their family. Right. And so here's 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 when that thought is at the forefront of his brain, and he he feels guilty. You know, let's face it, he feels guilty. He's not going to be there for this family holiday, or he's afraid he's not going to be there for the family right. I mean, holiday. Well, there there is a whole uh, aspect. There's a subplot in the 
original script, which is completely excised from, from this movie, is that his he and his wife are in a big fight. And she keeps getting angry at him about the fact that he's never home and she thinks he's having an affair and that all of these stories that he's telling her about things that have happened to him and Dell, it's all just a lie and that he's, you know, just completely lying about everything that's going on. So if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, there are certain parts where during their conversation, she says to him, well, maybe you shouldn't come home if that's what you're, you know, if if it's not important for you to be home with the family for Thanksgiving, then maybe we don't want you here. That type of thing. But they, they cut all that out and kept things on a, a happier note. But you can still see it here and there with with some of the conversations that happen along the way. And that's pretty much how this minute ends. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in this minute? Uh, no, nothing. You know, just the uh, salesmanship that goes into this and the customer service that he provides. I do like the fact that uh, he, you know, he makes stuff up for most of the people. You know, this, you know, Czechoslovakian, uh, Czechoslovakian ivory. ivory, and you know, <laughs> these are based on the Grand Wizard of China. Yeah. But the the one that I think really is designed to show some salesmanship are the three young girls. And he says, you know, makes you look like you're 18. And right. they just immediately hand the money to him. Right. That's, that's tomorrow, though. That's a good that's audience tomorrow. analysis. <laughs> that's tomorrow, Richard. <laughs> OK. You jumped the gun on that one, but that's fine. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, it, it all it all flows together, obviously. That That's, that's right. You're 100 percent right about that. So every day I also talk about the differences between the original script and the finished film. So this minute actually just has one little change where he talks about the, the Grand Wizard of China. He says, those earrings were made by the, made by hand for the Grand Wizard of China. That solid pastel ivory over a core of 14 karat gold and diamond chips. And then he <laughs> continues and says, and not only do they look smashing, they prevent headaches, make your perfume hold its scent longer. So obviously that wasn't needed. There's a reason why they cut it out. But what's interesting is, is that none of the other references that that he makes here are mentioned in the script, which makes me believe that John Candy ad libbed all of those. Yeah. Improvising, you know, I think. They said just just do improv here, you know, pretend that you're selling and start making up things. And you know, he mentions the Czechoslovakian Ivory, Walter Cronkite, Helium, Daryl Strawberry, you know, all these things that are not mentioned. Diane Sawyer, you can go back to yesterday's minute. Right. You know. So I, I, I think they do a nice job with that. And those are pretty much the the, the the slight difference in the script. So every Wednesday, we do a special segment called Hughes Hump Day, where my guest gives their top five movies by John Hughes. So Richard, what have you got for us? What are your top five? Okay, well, my top five John Hughes movies would be number five, 16 Candles. I know that it's uh, got a lot of stuff in it that is not politically correct nowadays uh you've got characters that are racist stereotypes there's a suggestion of date rape in it uh but it's it's a lot more innocent than people would see yes. it nowadays I, I don't think it was malicious you know it's it's a matter of perspective and timing but i think that's a good yep. film and uh terrific molly ringwald you know she's really good in it and paul dooley is in that movie as the father can't go wrong with paul dooley i really like him as an actor <laughs> I've always enjoyed that. Number four is Home Alone, uh, which is, you know, he wrote, he didn't direct the film, uh, but it's it's very much, you can tell it's 
set in Chicago. It's that same house that I, I swear gets used in most of his films. Uh, and, and yeah, and it's, uh, you know, everybody knows Home Alone. It's a great Christmas film. Uh, very, very entertaining. Uh, number three, um, the first time that I heard his name and knew who he was, was for National Lampoon's Vacation. Okay. And I, I swear he had been following our family around uh, to come <laughs> up with those stories because we did road trips like that on a regular basis when I was a kid. And we stayed at some sketchy motels, had some weird uh, incidents along the road, uh, had car breakdowns, had a weird station wagons like that. So uh, I always identified with that, and I, I like that movie a lot. I guess that's what happens with a magician father. That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, number two is Christmas Vacation, because uh, you know it's it takes the same concepts about the, you know kind of this square guy who wants to have a family relationship, and he's working so hard at it that it becomes more complex than it should. But I think. I, my guess would would be if you ask most people to rank all of the vacation films, that Christmas Vacation would be at the top of the list in front of the original Vacation because it it stands out in the memory so well because of the holiday setting, and that's why it stands out for me. And then my favorite uh, John Hughes film is The Breakfast Club, which is not particularly humorous. I mean, it has humorous moments in it, but it's it's much more serious in nature. And, uh, you know, it's a character piece set in a, for the most part, a single setting. Uh, the characters are based on stereotypes, but they all have individual moments. And I showed that film a lot in my small group communication class to give people a sense of how uh, group dynamics work, how people can dominate conversations, how people can change the uh, relationship between one another in their interactions. And so I must've seen that film, you know, 40 times oh, wow. at one point or another. Wow. All right, great. Thank you very much for that. So every day we do the segment off the beaten track where either myself or my guests give a little adventure or misadventure that happened to one of us during the course of life. So Richard, you have another one for us? You know what? I was thinking about it. And when, when the term came up, when we were talking about helium and then you've, we're looking for the term uh, Zeppelin, and you mentioned the Goodyear blimp. I actually rode on the Goodyear blimp Ooh, when I was a kid. Wow. So that, that'll be my off-the-beaten-path story for a moment. Uh, you mentioned my father was a professional magician. He had contacts in the uh, entertainment world, including uh, the television world. He had a friend who was um, a producer at KABC, which was a... Uh, local television station, you know, it's the K the ABC affiliate. And uh, he connected us several times with adventures. But one of those adventures was getting a chance to ride on the Goodyear blimp. And basically, we just went up in the blimp. It flew out of Culver City in uh, the southern part of Los Angeles County. Uh, and uh, we went up in the air, flew to over downtown and back. I think we were on the blimp for maybe uh, an hour at most, but it was interesting and it's really loud. <laughs> but I, I was probably seven or eight when that happened. So a long time ago. Wow. All right. That's a great story. Thank you very much for that. So Richard, you want to, sure. you want to remind everyone once again, how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, you can find me at the lamb, which is the large association of movie blogs. 
Uh, my own site is Kirkama Movie A Day. If, if you go to KirkamaMovieAday.com, you'll find the WordPress version of the site. Or you can go to KirkamClass.blogspot.com and find the site on uh, uh, Blogger, which includes links to several other projects that I've done. All those links are not on the uh, other site, but they are on the Blogger site. Also, I am on Twitter, believe it or not. I hardly ever use Twitter, but if you want to tweet at me or find a link to something, it's at Richard K007. All right, excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using to listen to this show. Finding me is also very simple. All you have to do is a quick search for Movie Rob Minute, and you can find me. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can just go to our website. So, Richard, you feel like coming back again tomorrow? I think I can make it back tomorrow. All right. Just uh, make sure you got your five bucks ready to, to buy some exotic. Well, I want those moon rings, you know, the Walter Cronkite moon rings. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right. Great. So until tomorrow, you're fine. And you are fine <laughs> as well. <laughs>